0: You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, it's good to see you here this morning. We are now in the fourth sermon in our series on fighting to win. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. We've been discussing this, this idea that there is an enemy, and there are some things about the enemy, some truths about the enemy that we need to know. That scripture gives some information, quite a bit of information, uh, that, that gives us an opportunity to get kind of ahead a of this thing. Because, man, the, the, the fight is real. The enemy is real. The battle is real. But yet so is the God that we serve. And the Spirit of God, who is real and powerful and can overcome the enemy. And so we're learning about this. Last week, we started to walk into Ephesians 6. And we began with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And today we're going to look at the armor of God and the pieces of the armor of God. But Before we do that, I want to read for you this passage of Scripture myself. And I'm going to ask God to use it to speak to your heart, pay close attention, listen to these words, because this is the passage of Scripture this morning that I think says more than anything else, are you ready to fight to win the battle? Here it is. You ready? Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord In the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which with uh, rather with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, if you were paying attention, you may have noticed with me that there was a phrase that was oft repeated throughout that text. In fact, in verse number 11, we see the first phrase where it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Pay close attention to that. There's this emphasis on on standing firm as a Christian. In verse 13, again, it was somewhat repeated when it said, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may may be able to withstand in this evil day. And then, having done everything you could do, stand. And then again, in verse number 14, it says to stand, therefore. Stand firm. Stand, therefore. There's an emphasis here. And it's to those who have trusted Christ. Let me say this to those of you who have trusted Christ fully. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. There has been a time in your life... Where you have recognized that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That what he did for you on the cross paid the full penalty for your sins. And he is your Lord and Savior. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, then he is asking you today to stand firm for him. No retreat. No compromise. No off to the side. No, if I fall. No, if I do fall, I I get up again. And when I get up after falling, I stand firm. This means that I stand firm when I want to quit. This means that I stand firm when life gets difficult. This means that I stand firm when fiery darts of the enemy have weakened my resolve. But I, I stand firm. Now, this could just be a motivational speech up to this point. Up to this point, I think that we could all say, wow, that's, 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 man, I, I'd like to do that. That sounds like something I need to do. And yes, I did see how it was repeated several times in the passage, Pastor. There's an emphasis there on standing. In fact, I often hear preachers say we ought to take a stand for Jesus. But, but, man, how do we do that? How do we actually accomplish that? I mean, that, that's a tall order, isn't it? Yes, it is. But I've got some good news for you because The word of God does tell us how we can stand firm, stand therefore, stand with resolve. In fact, scripture tells us that in order to do this, there's some things we got to put on. In fact, in verse 11, it says to put on the whole armor of God. In verse 13, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Again, in verse 14, it says, and having... Put on. It's almost as if there are some things we should wake up every morning and put on, like we put on our clothes. Put on some things. Years ago, my good friend, who's in the service, one of our elders here at Gospelite, Doug Gully. I'm just going to ask this first: Does anybody else have the Doug Gully Armor of God coin in the building? Raise your hand. Got it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, nine. Good. We got. So the the, the coin is getting around. How many of you feel very left out right now? Raise your hand. Good. Okay. All right, Doug. You got some coins to get. Okay. Putting the pressure on Doug. So I've got this. Co- By the way, if you need a worship. Thank you, guys. You know what these guys do every week? They never give up on me. They're back there just being nice. But they're thinking, I'd like to sit down next to my wife as soon as preacher can. If you need a worship, God, raise your hand. And uh, you got one, huh? Oh, you do? Good. Oh, she gave you one. Thank you, Marlena. Yes, my wife needs the armor of God this morning. And so I'm glad she's got the notes now. Anybody else need one in the balcony? Good. Okay. So this armor of God coin, it's really, it's really interesting. At times I have been diligent to put it in my pocket and it's been, it's been a good little faithful reminder. That's really all it is. It's just a, a token. It's a, it's a piece of metal that reminds me as I remember to look at it and reflect on it. And it's been very effective in my life at times. In fact, especially during this sermon series and since last week when I actually said, you know what, I, I, I want to be more cognizant of this truth because I'm preaching it. I'm teaching it. I, I want it to affect me more as I, as I talk about it, right? And so I've got this, this coin and it lists all the different pieces of the armor. It doesn't, it's not very specific about what they, you know, what they are, what they do, how they protect, but it does give each one of them a name. It gives the scripture verse. It kind of has a picture uh, of a Roman soldier carrying what might be you know, the armor, if you will, because Paul obviously, as he wrote this passage in Ephesians 6, was giving us a picture of what the armor would have looked like on a Roman soldier, the pieces of armor that he would have been wearing, and then he likens them to the pieces of armor that we can wear as in, a, in a spiritual perspective. So this is very, very important. These pieces of the armor were given to protect us. That's what armor does. There are six pieces in total. This morning, we're going to talk about five pieces. And then next Sunday, we're going to finish off with the final piece. Maybe we'll save the best for the last two knows? But I know all of them are very critically important. So you're ready to jump into the armor of God? Number one, as we fight to win this battle, we must first of all realize that we must put on... The belt of truth. The belt of truth. And we put this on as a protection against hypocrisy. Now let's talk about the belt for just a minute. This is kind of important to know. The belt on the armor of the Roman soldier would have been the one piece of armor that would have held all the other armor together. For instance, the the breastplate of righteousness would have been attached ...to the belt of of truth... ...kind of girded underneath it... ...it would have been something that without the belt of truth... ...the breastplate would not have... ...I said the breastplate of righteousness... ...just the breastplate on the Roman soldier... ...would have not been able to to be in place... ...also the sword... ...that the Roman soldier would have worn... ...would have been placed within this belt... ...in other words... ...it was the belt... ...that would have held all the other pieces of armor... ...together... Likened to that illustration... I think it is very true that the belt is foundational to all of the other pieces of armor for the believer. And here God says to us, what holds on all of the other protection we're going to talk about in the rest of this passage is the belt of truth. Now, what kind of truth is it talking about here? Is it talking about facts? That's truth, facts, I mean... Two plus two equals four. Fact, right? Or maybe the laws of gravity. That's a fact. It's just the way it is, right? I don't think it's talking about those things. And it's, those things are true and they are facts and they are truth. But that's not what it's talking about. Is it talking about the Word of God? We know that Scripture says in John seventeen seventeen that sanctify them in the truth because the Word is truth. No question about it. The Word of God is truth. But in this passage of Scripture, it's the very last piece of armor called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I don't think the passage would be repetitious in mentioning the truth as being the Word of God and the sword as being the Word of God. The belt, rather, is being the Word of God. And so I think there's something else Scripture is teaching us here. I believe the belt of truth is talking about sincerity, truthfulness. The Bible says God describes, or rather, God. Uh, desires truth in the inward parts. And so I would suggest to you that the peace that is central to your protection against the enemy is the sincerity of your own heart. Therefore, put on the belt of truth as a protection against hypocrisy. You know, we all have a tendency to live apart from the things that we know to be true and we know to be right. I know I have that tendency. It's easy for me to preach this message because I I battle sometimes with the tension of being completely sincere and the gap between that sometimes and not being so sincere or I guess I should go ahead and say it right, being a hypocrite. Isn't it true that the number one complaint against the followers of Jesus Christ is hypocrisy? Have you not been in a position where you've been introducing someone to your church or Inviting someone to church or maybe even talking about your commitment to christ and someone then says to you Well, I I used to do that, but there's just a bunch of hypocrites down there And sad to say that's probably in many cases true Not completely true about all of us But it's true Not living within the things that we know Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7 speaks of The lord this way it says he's good And amen. He is good, right? In fact, let's just do that little practice here. God is good and all the time good. Amen, I like that. That's a a lot of fun. Sometimes I'll do that somewhere out in public and inevitably another believer will say it. I'll be in Chick-fil-A or somewhere strange and someone will pick up on that little phrase that we say, God is good all the time. All the time God is good. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. But pay close attention to the next thing about the Lord because he knows those. He knows. Knows those who take refuge in him. In other words, God knows who we are. He knows throughout this church and the churches of our community, as he would go through the pews maybe of the churches, he would know that that is someone who is a real follower of Jesus Christ, not someone who is a hypocrite, or that's someone who is a fake or a phony or not a true follower. He knows those who take refuge in him. Therefore, I am suggesting that the belt of truth is the sincere desire to love and to live for God. Sincerely, it is a hatred of hypocrisy in my own life. It is an adamant refusal to allow that gap between what I profess and what I actually live. It's something I battle with. It's a refusal to be fake or phony in my life. In other words, I don't just want to look like a Christian. I don't just want to talk like a Christian. I don't just want to play the part of a Christian, to be an actor. I want to really follow Jesus Christ. I want to love Him. I want to live for Him with my whole heart. Now, I realize that all of us at times do have that gap. And if we're really honest, We struggle at times between what we profess and what we actually believe. Sometimes I think we tolerate things that we shouldn't tolerate in our lives. Other times we make excuses for things that are in our lives and we begin to kind of shift the blame as to why it's there. I know I've got this issue, but come on, you know, if this is the worst thing I do, I'll be fine. And You know, actually, I just picked this up from somebody else and it's because of this person or that person. So let's ask ourselves this question. Are we tolerating things and making excuses for them? Or are we rooting these hypocritical things out of our lives? Are we attempting to refuse to let them become who we are and putting on that belt of truth every single day? The desire to live a sincere life. Now, I can tell you, this can be tough. This can be really tough. One of the biggest challenges for us as Christians is to just be authentic. I'm going to tell you, there's been times in this pulpit where I have been a little phony. There's been times where I, I have I've preached uh, and, and not been willing to share the authenticity of my life and to be as real as I have been in recent years. But God has grown me and taught me and helped me. And this belt of truth has become One of the most essential parts of protecting myself against the enemy. So, let me give you some tough truths. Some tough truths that sometimes present themselves to us. Number one, the truth about our personal responsibility. This is just simply the truth about ourselves. Just being honest about ourselves, just being willing to admit that we struggle. You know, that we're not perfect, that, we're, that sometimes things get really difficult and, and we're not, we don't have it all together. And this is telling the truth about maybe problems that we have or addictions that we deal with. And it's really not our spouse's fault or our brother's fault or our children's fault or our boss's fault. But I'm struggling and it's on me. This is on me. And I'm willing to admit it. I'm where I've chosen to be, and I believe that an admitting of this is absolutely critical in order to defeat the enemy. You know, it's interesting, but many times people who are in the same situation that we are, same situation that I am, maybe a financial crisis or maybe it's a an illness or or some sort of other issue going on in their life, and they're dealing with it quite well. I mean, they really are. They're 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 Fessing up to it, they're dealing with it. They're getting counsel about it. They're, 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 they're being honest about it. But others are not doing so well. Same problems, same issues. By the way, you would probably be shocked as how many of you have the same issues in this church. Same struggles. Sometimes I think, yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, look at them over there. Well, wait a minute. You, you probably need to look in the mirror. You may struggle with that as well. Sometimes it's easy to kind of cover up our problems by 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 looking at others, and, and we feel better about ourselves and. When the truth of the matter is, is all of us here today, if we're honest, are struggling. We all needed the worship service a moment ago. We all needed the song, I'm a child of God, I will not fear, and I'm not alone. And, and that's okay. That's okay. Those of you that came forward to pray. You know, does it really matter that somebody said, look who went forward? I'm glad they did. They really needed it. Or maybe it's, you know, I need to go forward too. I'm saying all that to say that this belt of truth, just being honest about who we are, personal responsibility. Then what about this? Secondly, this is a really tough truth, the truth about our motives, why we do what we do. Do I do what I do because I want people to think good of me? Do I do what I do because I want somebody to brag on me? Do I do do what I do because I want somebody to give me some public recognition? I need that person, you know, on the way out to pat me on the back and tell me I'm the best pastor, the best guy, the best dad. Is that why I do what I do so I can hear it from someone else? Or am I doing what I do because I love Christ? I want Him to be first in my life. It's It doesn't matter whether I receive any recognition or get noticed or have a title even. I'm doing what I'm doing because I love Christ. And then the truth about my future. I think this is a tough truth. I say that because so many people live as though they'll never die. You know, they just don't want to really face the fact of death. It's certain, it's going to happen. All of us are going to die one day and stand before God. And we're not promised tomorrow. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, the Bible says that we shouldn't even boast about having tomorrow because we really don't even know if it's coming. And so we can sometimes just spend all of our time worried about the future. Oh, am I going to have enough money? Am I going to have enough of this? Am I going to have enough of that? Is everything going to be okay? You know, you never know. 10 years from now, 20 years from now. What about today? Because that's all you got. It's all we know. This could be the last day that, that I live. I need to be truthful about that. And then telling the truth about your own relationship with God. Think about it. God has made only one provision for your forgiveness eternally. And that is through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Someone here may be saying, well, that's good for you, but I've got a different plan. That's a bad plan. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He's the only way. that's... That's not arrogant. That's just, that's scripture. That's the Bible. That's God's word. We stand firm that Jesus Christ is the only way. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We're not going to lower the standard there. It's Jesus. Have you accepted him? Have you been saved? Be honest about that. Be honest. Be sincere about it. Has there been a time in Well, yeah, you know, I was raised in church. I didn't ask you that question. I'm asking you to be honest and sincere about are you born again? Are you saved? Has there been a time in your life you've turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Tell me the truth about your personal relationship with God. So if you and I are going to be strong in this world, if we're going to stand firm, then we got to put on this truth every day. Sincerity. What does it equal? It equals the truth about my walk with God. The truth about living a real, authentic life. away with surface appearances. I want to be real. I just want to be real. You ever met somebody like that? It's refreshing. It really, really is. Number, number two. So I get that belt of truth on, that belt of sincerity. I'm authentic now. I can start putting these other pieces on. So the next piece scripture mentioned is found in in verse number 14. It says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. And then notice it says, secondly, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now I'm putting on this breastplate of righteousness as a protection against condemnation from the enemy. So hang on as we kind of explain how we got to that part. The breastplate was actually a very tough, sleeveless piece of armor that covered the torso. It was two pieces of leather, front and back, overlaid with metal. And get this animal bones. It protected the vital organs. It was an essential piece of armor the breastplate. The breastplate. Yesterday, I went to a, our community center. We had a phenomenal event last night. I mean, it was awesome. We, uh, we sponsored a, uh, a, a boxing, uh, a sanctioned USA boxing event, and it was just amazing. We had probably 300 people there last night, uh, little boys and girls from all over the community um, that are training to, 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 to learn how to protect themselves, but also it gives them something to do other than staying on the streets and... Getting into trouble. And so I was so proud that we sponsored that event last night. It was amazing. And hats off to you, Travis, for all that you did to make that happen. I really appreciate it. So I'm in there, right? And I, I noticed our very own John Schroeder is there. And you know, John, when you see him in full uniform and then you see him in a t-shirt, he's got a pretty big thing protruding from his belly, but it's different when he's in his t shirt but as in his t shirt, it's what we all struggle with, and it's called the old belly, right? But when he's got this on, it looks like he's Hercules. I looked at John. He had his shirt on. He had this, what is this? It's a bulletproof vest. Man, John was looking good. I mean, bold up and big. And I looked at John, and I said, John, man, I'm going to be preaching about that tomorrow. That, that breastplate, that bulletproof vest. He said, "Preach! you want me to bring mine tomorrow and let you use it? I said, man, if you can, I'd, I'd love to. I'd be awesome. And I said, John, you know, you, you, you wear that. You, would you ever go out into, into battle? Would you ever go out into the community where you are assigned to protect people? Would you ever go out without this? He goes, no, no, no. This is an essential piece of our uniform. We, we wear this because it's important. I love the story I read not long ago of the policeman that was you know, going after the bad guy, right? And the bad guy turns around. He was armed with a gun. He shoots the policeman right here. And the man goes down. The policeman goes down. But he got back up. And when he got back up, he ran after that bad guy and tackled him and took him down and brought him in and arrested him. I love that story. And by the way, I love the policemen of our community. We ought to support the men in blue and the men in brown. Amen. Thank God for these guys who are willing to put their lives on the line. But John said, oh yeah, preacher, I wear that because it's a a form of protection. You see, this breastplate of righteousness, too, is a way to protect ourselves against the enemy. So the question then would be this. What kind of righteousness are we talking about? Because the Bible gives us three different types of righteousness. And so maybe it would be good for you and I to look at Scripture and see those three types of righteousness and then... We can identify which one is it. It's not hard to figure out. First of all, there's self-righteousness. Luke chapter 5 verse 32 says this, that Jesus did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I love what the Bible says about our righteousness because it's very clear why he did not call the righteous but sinners to repentance because all of us are sin. And our righteousness is this. Isaiah chapter 64 says, we've all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. I, I, hope, I hope that doesn't shock you. I hope you're not offended. I, that's really what the Bible says about all of our righteous deeds, all of the good things that you and I want to say, this is why we should go to heaven. Oh, I know what Jesus did on the cross, but you have no clue what I've done. I've lived a good life. I've done this. I've done that they are polluted garment. And God hates those deeds when they are put in the place of what his son Jesus did on the cross to save us from our sins. We cannot save ourselves. The breastplate of righteousness is certainly not self-righteousness. Secondly, there's practical righteousness. Practical righteousness are deeds that We do once we become a follower of jesus christ. It's 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 good things. It's fun Like it's what I did yesterday get up in the morning You know, I go I go to the retirement center and I preach the gospel to those Precious saints or maybe some are lost and some have been lost and gotten saved then I went and I had a counseling session at you know where San francisco bread company and then I and then I went to the office and I had another counseling session I know i'm trying to take off saturdays yesterday didn't go so well and then I went to uh had fun though, loved it. And then I went to, uh, to help uh, move a, a church member that needed to move and they didn't have to help them, so I helped them move yesterday. And then I took Gloria with me and we hung out at the posies because they needed some stuff across the street. It was fun. I did, I did all kinds of good deeds yesterday. I'm good. You see, the problem is our practical righteousness is not what God's talking about. Can I say this? It's good to be good. And we need to do good things. And there's nothing wrong with those things I just listed. Hey, praise God. It's okay. But if you and I think that our righteousness and our good deeds and self-righteousness is going to be what protects us from the enemy, we are soon to come to... to, to, It's it's going to be a shock how quickly the enemy penetrates that and defeats us and destroys and discourages us because you just can't seem to do enough. Number three. Could it be this... And I would suggest to you that the breastplate of righteousness is the third type of righteousness in Scripture. It's called imputed righteousness. What is imputed righteousness? This is the righteousness that God applied to your life. In fact, in Ephesians, or rather, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him We might become the righteousness of God. Jesus gave to us. This is incredible to me. This blows my mind. Jesus gave to us his righteousness. It's unbelievable. How dead sure beats self-righteousness and practical righteousness. I have his righteousness. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9 says it like this. That we're found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God that depends on faith. That's imputed righteousness. The righteousness of Christ applied to your life. And it's protection against condemnation from the enemy. And by the way, the enemy is called the accuser. He's quick to condemn us. He's quick to point out our faults. He's quick to point out the times in our lives where... You know, in fact, Satan, I I heard him this week come to me and say, you're wasting your time, Eric. You're wasting your time with that. Or maybe, you know, you're not the husband that you're, you're cut out to be. or You're not the dad that everybody thinks you are. You're not even the pastor that everybody thinks you are. And the accuser will come to us with these types of thoughts. And what you and I need to do with the imputed righteousness of Christ is basically say two words to the enemy. Excuse me. Shut up. Amen. Shut up. I wouldn't say it to you, I promise. So if children are here, listen to your parents. But you can tell the devil to shut up anytime you want. That comes from the pastor. Why can we tell the devil to shut up? Because of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? None. No. Plain and simple. No condemnation. That's what you and I can stand in. When it says, stand therefore, it's not saying stand in your own strength, stand in your own righteousness. You've got this. You good. You big. You can. No, no, no. It's stand in the righteousness of Christ so that when the devil comes to you and says, you don't got it. You ain't no good. You can't do this. You can say, "I, I, I realize that, but in Christ, I can because his righteousness covers me. And so every morning we put on the belt of truth, which is a sincere desire to live and to love God. And every morning we put on the breastplate of righteousness so that we can, when the accuser comes along and, and, and says, you know, you're not good enough, that, that, then we can, we, we, we're inconsistent, we're imperfect. I agree. But we can say to him without any stutter or stammer or apology, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, speak truth into the devil's lie. There is no condemnation I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. I am a child of God. I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear. This is the truth. And then there's a third thing. The third thing is found in verse 15. It's the third piece of armament. It's spoken of like to shoes. Interesting, isn't it? And as shoes on your feet tell you something I've learned about shoes since I've got teenagers and young adults. Now with me, shoes are simple. Those of you that are 50 and over would probably agree. I've got three pairs of shoes. I've got black shoes. I've got some gray shoes and I've got tennis shoes. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I need. I've got box shoes, kind of go with my dressy stuff. Don, you're probably like this too. You know, my gray shoes go with, you know, stuff that's like blue or gray. And then my tennis shoes go with everything else. But my kids say, dad, Oh no, you understand. There are shoes for a thousand different occasions. That's why Josiah has more shoes than Tiffany. Oh yeah, oh you can tell him he's in the nursery. You go whatever the kids ministry. Oh I I, I, I ripped him apart this morning. He was great. He loved it. By the way, Zoe, you're right behind him. And Chloe, for Valentine's Day, all you wanted to do was go to the Nike store and look at more shoes. So I say, what do you need more shoes for? I've been in your room. You got so many shoes. It's incredible. Oh Dad, listen. They need shoes. Look, there is a shoe. If you know this parent, there's a shoe for waking up in the morning and going to the bathroom. There's a shoe for that. There is a shoe for going from the locker room to the bench. And then you change shoes on the bench to go on the court. It's incredible. There's shoes for so many different occasions. The black shoe, gray shoe, tennis shoe is out. All of us need 50 pairs of shoes. I've just really increased shoe sales in the city. Just kidding. But I'll tell you what, there's some strange philosophy on shoes these days. And I'm making fun because I'm an oldster. And one day you'll have a yuppie pastor and he'll, everybody will have many shoes and he'll wear. All, it's cool, okay? I really do think it's okay. I did buy our shoes. It's good, okay? And so, it's okay. All right. They're going to come, dude, why do you got to rip us on the front row? No. Shoes everywhere. So what are, what are, what are these shoes? I mean, these are shoes. In fact, what were they for the Roman soldier? Well, they were, they were shoes with spikes. You know why they had spikes? That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Spikes because they, they were always going forward and they had to get through some rough terrain. So these, as Paul looked at the Roman soldier's shoes on his feet and he saw those spikes, he said, let me tell you about your shoes. The shoes that you need to put on are shoes having put on, there it is, the readiness of... Maybe your Bible says prepared, preparedness or prepare, but the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Sadly, Christians are not wearing shoes for protection. It seems as if most of us are wearing slippers. We're we're just we're, we're not protected against the enemy when it comes to the boldness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what do Christians do with the gospel? Because I believe these shoes are speaking about what Christians should do with the gospel. It speaks of shoes and being ready to give the gospel of peace. What do we do with the gospel? We what? We we share it. That's what we do. That's why we have it. That's why this who's your one. It's all about sharing. That. We don't hide it. We don't put it under a bushel. We share it. We proclaim it. We let others know as the Holy Spirit... Convicts us and prods us and touches us and says, "That's the person. That's the one. That's why you came. That's why you've got your gospel shoes on. Because I wanted you to walk down this aisle to see that person and 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 just talk to them, invite them to church." You see, the shoes here are to be put on for boldness as a protection against complacency. I sense the church is very complacent when it comes to the sharing of the gospel. And I love this Who's Your One campaign. May this campaign wake us up to become an army of gospel sharers. How cool would that be? How cool would it be if by December, everybody in this building can say, it's been a long time since I've done this, preacher. But in 2020, I actually shared the gospel with somebody. 90% of Christians never share the gospel. 90% that means 9 out of every 10 people in this room never share the gospel of Christ And I want you to say we should not be okay with that because the dictionary definition of complacency is Satisfied with inappropriate conduct I know that I shouldn't uh, I know I shouldn't be that way, but I am that way and you know what i'm not changing or May we decide that we are going to change we are going to get ready. I like what someone said even though it hurts Those who want only enough of Jesus to save themselves are not likely to have even that much. If all we've got is enough to save us and we don't care about those around us, the truth is, I wonder if we really truly received the gospel. Because what you do with the gospel when you receive it is share it. I'm saying all that to say this. This is a protection against the enemy. Boldness, readiness, preparedness to speak out for Jesus boldly at every opportunity. In church, there are going to be opportunities, I promise. If you are prepared. Isn't it amazing how every time we, we pray, God, I, 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 every morning I pray this. And I'm, I thought about yesterday. Okay, God, what was the moment? And for, I, I would tell you. Uh, well, I'll tell you. tell you. Yesterday I prayed. Every morning I prayed this prayer. Lord, help me to walk the path that you would walk if you were here in my shoes. And so I'm asking God to help me to go where he would have me to go. So yesterday we, I had an appointment at the, at the little gym that we work out at. And I went to the gym and met this person for membership. And she walked in and she confessed that she used to go to church but doesn't go anymore. And she'd just gotten away from God. And she was about to get married to her fiancé and she wanted to get in shape for her marriage. And she said, I want to lose some weight. And I want to go to the tanning bed and I want to, I want to, I want to look good for my marriage. I said, man, that's awesome. I said, are you and your husband going to get married in a church or are you going to get married, you know, with a preacher? She goes, why do you ask? I said, well, I'm a preacher. I just thought I'd ask, you know, she goes, you're a preacher? I said, yeah, yeah. I pastor gospel light. I've heard of gospel light. My, my kids go there. I said, your kids go to gospel light? Yeah. All three of them you see, I've been divorced and I'm getting remarried and I've got three kids and he's got three kids. And when my three kids are with their, their mother, they usually go on the bus to gospel life. I said, that's amazing. She goes, they love it. I said, that's so cool. I said, let me ask you something. Since your kids are coming and since you're getting married and since I'm a preacher, you think maybe God might be inviting you to church through me? And she put her head out and she goes, not maybe, yes. And I said, okay. I'll just leave it right there. I said, just sometime in the next month, visit. Come with your kids. Just try it out. She goes, I really need God in my life. Now, let me tell you something. I'm don't. i I'm not trying to do any of this stuff, okay? I'm just telling you that to say, it's amazing. When you ask him to help you to walk in, with the shoes of the gospel, he will willingly, lovingly, and very excitingly put somebody in your path. He's looking for people who will be ready for that. That's all he needs. It's just somebody who's ready. It may not even be that you actually pray the sinner's prayer. By the way, if I've led a hundred people to Christ in my life, if that's how many I've led, I have no idea how many I've led, if that many. But if I have, only probably a dozen of them got saved the first time I met them, to be honest. I mean, if I could be just totally sincere with you, very few people are going to get saved at the first invite. But I can tell you many that after a year, two years, or more, That sometimes just staying with it and loving and praying and not being obnoxious. Amen. Because giving the gospel out is not being obnoxious. It's not like holding the sign up that says turn or burn. Amen. I'm not not for that sign. I think that sign is repulsive. It's not compassionate and it's not loving. I mean, I appreciate the effort, but it's not me. It's not obnoxious. But yet I will say this, that when you are ready to give the gospel, it's amazing how he will lead you to be sensitive to those around you. So don't let this who's your one get away from you. God has someone. He wants to be your one. Be sensitive to that. Be ready for that. Be ready for him to tell you who it is. I love Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19 where the scripture says, And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of of the gospel not in an obnoxious way but in a loving compassionate way and you know what's amazing it's incredible how exciting it is when you actually do it you actually see i can't tell you how many times when i actually have the courage to share the gospel and i don't always sometimes i blow it sometimes my my shoes are slippers okay i'll admit it sometimes i i walk out to the car and i'm like the holy spirit said you should have and i'm like yeah but i'm busy I've done it. Okay, I, I get it. I, I know why the Bible says there's going to be blood on our hands. I, I understand God forbid, but I know it's real and I know we're going to give an account. And so I'm I confess I, I'm not 100% on this, but I can tell you when I when I respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when I can respond to the sensitivity of the spirit saying talk to that person, ask them if they go to church, give them a slight just presentation of the God, whatever he tells me to. when I do it, I'm excited. I feel better. I'm like, "Mm." I just fulfilled the purpose for which I'm alive today. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that. And I want to encourage you to do it. Many people in this room have been led to Christ or brought to Christ by somebody else in this room. I was thinking, Thomas, about Scott Perryman. It was you that God used to bring Scott Perryman to Christ, who's been a church member here for 20 years. He was on his way to prison, on his way to jail. God used the bus captain at our church to knock on Scott's door. Scott got saved, married to Lisa Perryman, owns a business in town, faithful member of our church, was here this morning. Isn't that great? I was just thinking about that. I was just thinking about that. Man, I love it. So put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. Number five. Number four. The fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith. It's found in verse 16. Or rather, verse number, uh, yes, verse 16. In all circumstances, in every circumstance, take up the shield of faith. Now, what is this shield? Well, if Paul were looking at the Roman soldier, he would have been looking at a two and a half feet wide, four and a half feet tall. That's crazy, isn't it? Can you imagine holding a shield that big? Two and a half feet wide, four and a half feet tall, almost covering his whole body. Uh, That would have been made of wood. It would have been covered in leather. From head to toe. This was a large shield. As Paul looked at that shield, he likened it to a shield of protection called faith. Faith. Faith to believe that God is able. Faith to believe that God is with us. Faith to believe that God is our strength. He is our protection. He is our peace. Amen? We've got to believe it. So I believe that what we're being protected against is damaging emotion. The emotions that come along, the anxieties that come along because of a lack of faith and really believing that God is who he said he was. Why damaging emotion? Well, look at verse 16 again. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. What's a flaming dart? Well, a dart would have been an arrow. The arrow would have been wrapped in cloth dipped in pitch and lit with fire. As the fire on that sharp arrow would have been fired at that Roman soldier if it would have penetrated his flesh. It would not have been long before that wound. See, just a a dart, you can pull it out. An arrow, you can just pull out. But a fiery dart? Penetrate the skin, infection begins to take over. And it's inevitably death. These fiery darts are from the evil one to destroy you, to kill you, to, to devastate you, to demolish you. And so let's talk just for a few moments about these darts. What are some fiery darts that I've noticed that are prominent with the enemy? I, I'm just suggesting these. These are not... I have, there's probably a hundred of them. But can I give you three? Number one, the fiery dart of doubt. Doubt. Has anybody ever experienced doubt? I have. I have. I've been there just doubting whether or not I can really trust God in this matter. And the enemy comes and he says, you can't really trust God. God's going to let you down. How many times have you heard this? You know, if God were a God of love, why would he do that? And we begin to doubt our creator. You're headed in the wrong direction. Man, this is not the way to go. And we begin to believe, man, is this really real? Am I really doing the right thing? Peter and uh, you know is, is this really is God really who He said He is or John the Baptist? Excuse me, is, is God really who He said He is, or do we look for another? Doubt. All of us experience this fiery dart, and if we're honest, this morning we would say, "I need the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery dart of doubt." To believe the promises of God, to know that God is with us. That's why we experience emotion this morning. In this service, if I was standing next to you or you were standing next to me and we were singing, I am not alone, you would have seen a tear in my eye. It's emotional to think about in this moment. I am not alone. I needed that. People at this altar were weeping, experiencing emotion, not damaging emotion, but refreshing emotion. Tears of of, of just, God, you're so awesome. You're so real. I remember when you were there for me in that hospital bed. I remember, God, when you were there, I saw your face. It was as if you were there. I felt your touch. That's 24-7. That's not just when you're in the hospital bed. Amen. That's not just when you're in financial crisis. That's not just when the troubles are there. That's all the time. Let's believe it. Pick up the shield of faith. To quench the fiery dart of doubt. And then, number two, what about the fiery dart of discouragement? I was there this week. Oh, yeah. Man, just something happens that we didn't expect. We failed in some way. Man, I just didn't want to fail, and I failed. Stupid. Man, of all days, it's discouraging sometimes we think we got more money in the bank, right? Oh man, I thought I had more, but I forgot that was coming out this month. And it's discouraging sometimes financially, isn't it? I mean, we're all there at times. It's a fiery dart, the fiery dart of discouragement. And the enemy begins to to work us over. What about the fiery dart of despair? I've blown it my future is bleak. My best days are behind me. I just, you don't know what I've done. How many times have I heard that? You don't know what I've done, preacher. You have no idea. Man, it's bad. It's, it's, I'm telling you, there's, there's no hope for me. That's a lie. That's a lie. God loves you. He cares for you. He'll forgive you. There's a second opportunity, a third opportunity, a fourth. Get up. Take up the shield of faith. Quench the fiery dart before another one comes. Damaging emotion. We need to speak truth into these fiery darts. The fiery dart says this, but guess what? God's Word says this. The fiery dart says this, but God's Word says this. Amen. That's exactly right. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the fiery darts of the enemy at Jesus in the wilderness. And every single time, the enemy said this, but Jesus quoted God's Word. You see, there's always an answer for the enemy it always comes from God's word. Let me tell you what Christ has done for me. Rehearse the promises of God. Faith will begin to fill your heart again. And then finally, number five, there's the helmet of salvation. You know, John brought the helmet from his SWAT team with him. It's pretty impressive, actually. I mean, it looks like it could handle a bullet. It looks like, you know, you ever watch a war movie? And you watch these guys wearing these helmets, and a bullet hits the helmet; would have gone through their head, no doubt killed them, right? But they had their helmet on. I said John, "Would you ever go into battle without this helmet on? Would you ever participate in a SWAT team situation with that?" No, no, never. I, I would never go without my helmet, without my breastplate, without my bulletproof vest. What is the helmet of salvation? I suggest to you that we ought to put it on as a promise of our ultimate victory amen what is our ultimate victory what is it think about it listen i i think this is more than just talking about our conversion this is talking about the ultimate deliverance that all of us are going to have one day that are children of god when we finally get to heaven amen i love first thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8 says but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet of the hope of salvation. Not our conversion, but our hope of what salvation will give us an eternity with Jesus in heaven. I don't think we put enough emphasis on that. Somebody asked me how I'm doing today. Marlena asked me how I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm going to heaven. That's a pretty good answer. Sometimes I think, well, I'm doing great. Yeah, I've got money. I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm doing great. Of course, I'm doing great. Today's a good day because the sun's shining. Today's a good day because you know my wife's not mad at me. She loves me today. And uh, oh yeah, today's a good day because we're having this for lunch. Well, okay. I mean, I'm glad you're having that for lunch, and I'm glad you got money in your pocket. I'm glad your not, wife's not mad at you today. That's all good. But what about this? I'm going to heaven. That doesn't matter if my wife's happy or not. Amen. She is happy, but. Good, And uh, that doesn't matter If the food's good or not If I'm broke If I'm flat broke I'm going to heaven Hallelujah Can anybody be flat broke and going to heaven? I can be happy I'm happy It's okay I don't have to have a lot of money If I do, great Praise the Lord Doesn't affect my eternity at all I think sometimes we've taken the emphasis off of heaven Folks, we're going there if we're children of God we're going to spend an eternity with Jesus in heaven. I think, I, I know I've fallen into this trap of, you know, the old joke. I know I'm going to heaven, but I, want to, I don't want to go on the next train, you know. And it's almost as if and I get it. I, I get it. I don't either. But I think sometimes we've diminished heaven to this little experience that's going to happen sometime in the future. And it'll be good. I mean, but hey, I mean, it's going to have to be really good to beat this life. Anybody laughing with me right now? Let me tell you something. Heaven is going to be incredible. It is the ultimate victory. It is what God has given us as our hope. Put it on. Every morning you wake up, next time you wake up with a slight bit of discouragement, say, I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I know one day I'll be with him forever. I've got that hope. Don't ever leave home. About putting on the helmet of salvation. You know, I don't know this morning which piece of the armor is most needed in your life right now. I just know this, that every piece is needed every day. And if you and I could take a moment between this Sunday and next Sunday, every day, just to walk through those pieces, take 30 seconds, a minute, and just say, I'm going to put on this piece of armor. I'm going to put on the belt of truth. I want to be sincere today. I want to make sure my life is authentic today. I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. God, I am not who the enemy says I am. I am who you say I am. I'm going to put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. God, today, I'll be ready if you want to send somebody down my path. I'll be on my A game today, God. I got the gospel shoes on. I'm ready. Please, please send somebody to me today, God, and show me who it is. Put on the shield of faith to quench those fiery darts of doubt, despair, discouragement, and 997 other things that are coming at us this week. And finally, put on the helmet of salvation. I know there's the sword of the spirit that's coming next week with the helmet of salvation. God, thank you. If this is my last day to live on this earth, which I don't know that it isn't, I'm glad I'm going to be with you, God. I'll be in heaven. That's a good thing. If you're not sure that heaven would be your home, oh, listen, today could be that day. We'd love to take a moment, introduce you to Jesus, talk to you about how you can know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. I'd love to have that opportunity. So we're just going to bow our heads and close our eyes and pray and open this up for response as we sing a great, great invitation song. Lord, I need you. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with our people today. To walk through this series of messages fighting to win. Being ready for the battle. Putting the armor of God on every morning. Just like I brush my teeth and shave and put my shoes on and my shirt on and my clothes on god i need to put another set of armor on god i confess that at times i've left some of those pieces behind so god thank you for this reminder god help me today to be lord more committed than ever before to be ready for the battle thank you for these promises thank you for this truth God, may you speak to us in this response time. Is anyone here that does not know for sure if they died, they'd go to heaven? Father, may you at this moment touch their hearts and may they feel loved. May they feel, Lord, they could come and share that with us. Lord, I pray that you bless the remainder of our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand together?